What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Stick of Faith. My name is Louis Dooley. I got my brother Sam here this morning on yeah. Bump Day, yes. Wednesday, a little later than normal because we got a special guest. Yeah, we do. We have a special guest who's uh, uh, coming from the West Coast area from Spokane, Washington. Some people say the best coast. The best coast? <clears throat> yeah. You know, I stepped on a fish this morning. What? Like a Swedish fish? <laughs> you ain't got little kids in the house. You're still eating Swedish Lego no, fish. A lake fish. I was down at our lake uh, cleaning up all the seaweed that was on the shore, and I stepped on a fish, and boy, did that surprise me. <clears throat> was you barefoot? Yeah. Wow, did you have guts on your toes? So if you smell anything. <laughs> did you ask smell. him if he took the vaccine? <laughs> yeah. mm. I did not take the vaccine. <laughs> Uh, don't touch but me. i don't know why i thought of that oh because you said the west coast and i thought the of best coast. i thought of water or the yeah, best coast the best coast so today though all this rambling we have a special guest and and as i was stepping on my fish and thinking about how to introduce this episode i thought of the following uh i thought what do you get when you combine chris farley with jason and the argonauts <clears throat> The ancient Greek hero who went to steal the Golden Globe, I mean the Golden Fleece, mm. from Hollywood. You get Jason Farley. And that's our guest today. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I don't even know who the organizer is, is. Is that a fat joke? Is that <laughs> no. Oh, man. No, that, was a, that was a funny joke. You got to watch that, man, Sam. But, but. No, Chris Farley is, is one of my heroes. In fact, when I met my now wife, she was doing a Chris Farley impersonation, and I was like, I got to marry that girl. <laughs> she oh, that's dope. That's dope. Wow. So welcome, Jason Farley, uh, to Bumper Sticker Thanks for Faith, having me. A.K.A. Uh, B.S. Faith. Uh, and uh, and where we from, we say Spokane. We don't say Spokane. So I don't know what the correct pronunciation is, yeah, but what we is say it? Spokane. Well, technically it's Spokane. But yeah, uh, you know, Charles Barkley calls it calls it Spokane all the time. There we go. So, <laughs> that's, my, that's my leader, Sir Charles. So. <laughs> yeah, I, he was he was my favorite uh, basketball player till Draymond Green started to play. So what? Man, I don't even want to do this Look. show no more. Man. <laughs> we got to have a separate show just so we can battle about Draymond Green. Oh Straight yeah, up. we should. I would love that. But yeah, it was like you know, it was always between Rodman and Barkley, and then Draymond comes along and. Like that, you the utility player. I mean, Barkley obviously could also score, but the utility player has always been my favorite position. But but you can't even put Barkley in the same category as a utility player. I mean, that dude was the round. No, no, that's rebound. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I was <clears throat> saying Rodman. Yeah, right? Rodman. It, it it was always like he. There's always a pull towards Rodman, but I really like Barkley um, as a player. Yeah. But then when Draymond comes along, he's he's a great utility player. Man, I, he a I love crap, that baby, position. Man. He a crybaby. He didn't. He <laughs> didn't change. He didn't change the game so much, man. With all no, that crybaby. No, LeBron changed it. <clears throat> LeBron changed it to crybaby, and I Draymond protected the crybaby. Okay, I, I hate. Because I, I don't like LeBron either, man. I don't like LeBum. Uh, I don't mess no. with. Him. It's all about MJ, the real goat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So today we we have Jason on the show today. And uh, we're going to talk about something. We're going to start off by talking about a project, more than a project that he's a part of called Lore TV. And when I mentioned Jason and the Argonauts, they had this mission to uh, to do this impossible thing. Oh, okay. And that was to steal the fleece of a, mm. is it like a flying golden ram or something like that? Mm. Um, and to travel and journey and steal this. And they thought it couldn't be done. And well, likewise, 
uh, Jason Farley and uh, Lore TV is wanting to to challenge Hollywood, really, and what Hollywood right, yeah. is doing, and to and in a sense steal back um, viewers. <laughs> I don't know the truth. Uh, TV I think just shows, story, story, story storytelling. Story yeah, the, the that storytelling has we as conservative Christians and just conservatives in general tend to think that we're in the facts and data battle and that we bring our facts and data and math to the table. And we say, see, look at this. Here's the facts. Here's the data. When actually we've been in a storytelling war since the garden of Eden, mm. you know, the serpent came in with a different story than God. Mm. And um, when we don't respond uh, the way God did with a story, we get trampled over and over and over. And so Hollywood has uh, is the uh, center of the storytelling um, apparatus right now from mm. the the opposition, and so we're trying to take storytelling back and and just get get back into the storytelling battle mm -hmm. uh, that we've been kept out of. And and what medium are you using to do that? Like, is it just podcasts? Is it like creating films? Like, how are you What's telling up, what, these stories? Well, we we created a, a new streaming service. Mm. So um and the excuse me, the streaming service. So the, the biggest problems for uh conservative Christian entertainment has been um funding and distribution because mm -hmm. it's controlled by our enemies. Mm. You know, you go into uh say here's here's the, the movie I want to make, and they say, Well, we can't fund it unless it has uh a gay character or yeah. lesbian or now a drug trans dealers character. negative yeah. people yeah or yeah we, we can't have you've, you've got to have all of these particular things and uh in order to get it funded and then um the distributor says well but here's what we need to be able you know and so pretty soon the thing that you brought to them is nothing like what you <laughs> you mm. created it to be mm, okay. uh, and so uh what well, here's here's a good example so i had a tv show in development with um with a netflix producer uh before covid um came along and shut everything down well it was and it was called dante it was a high school dramedy about a high school senior navigating the nine levels of high school hell so that's it amazing. was it, it was a comedy that was dante's inferno reset in a high school well what mm. what happened was every time uh, I would present it at a new level. They would say, "Does it need all these references to God in it?" Mm. We say, "Well, it's Don. It's based on Don, Dante's Inferno. It has to. It has to have it, or you lose the heart of the whole mm -hmm. story." Um, and it's not. It wasn't an evangelistic tract. It wasn't. It just was. You know, you have the the um, the uh, character that goes to youth group. You know, that sort of thing. It's just trying to be honest about what high school is like, because you watch. You know, you watch something on Netflix and how is it that no high schooler in a, an entire high school mm -hmm. goes to church? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. That's not realistic. Mm -hmm. That's right. So trying to write a realistic story where you've got some Christians and some non-Christians and, you know, in a, in a high school that it doesn't fly. You don't get to do that. Uh, so, um, but uh, we know that as, as Christians, that we are heirs to the greatest story of all and all of the great genres all of the great storytelling that has come out of the church throughout the ages we're heirs to all of that and so uh, if we can free up our storytellers to go out and tell the stories that god's been preparing them to tell 
then we will we will uh, we believe that we'll win this excuse me we'll we believe we'll win the storytelling fight mm-hmm. if we can just free our artists to enter the uh, arena at speed hmm. <clears throat> so lure tv l o o r dot tv how did you come up with that name lure what's the backstory on that <laughs> well the uh, it it comes from the word lore l o r e but That's what it, I thought. It, that you that word you can't um you can't mark it because everybody already knows that word. And so mm-hmm. we just spelled it wrong in order to be able to market it. Okay. But it's also the Spanish word for praise. And mm. and lore itself mm. comes from the laurels that you would get if you won a contest. Mm-hmm. Um, at, because back in ancient uh, Athens, the golden age of Athenian drama, you would have a contest every year where the uh, the best uh, the best writers and playwrights would put on a three-part drama and a comedy and whoever won got the laurels and their, their story became the story of the city for the year. And so since we're fighting for the story of the city, we thought that uh, lore TV uh, made sense for a name. I just went just for some reason, when you said that it made me think about the old Testament and the, what was it called? The household gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that just popped in my head yeah. for some reason. <clears throat> anyway, so, so you also are uh, starting the Inland Northwest Film Studios. Is that how's that coming along? How does that relate to Lore TV? Yeah, so, the well, INW so, uh, Studios. Right. So uh, the Inland Northwest Film Studios um, is a we've got some property out here that we're developing and putting sound stages on um, so that there is all so because you've got an entire pipeline that that we don't have access to that we have to rent from the other side if we're going to make movies we need Mm -hmm. sound stages you need actors you need uh you you need um post-production studios you need uh equipment you know all of those things well well um sound stages is one of the things that um it, there's a shortage on and so we don't really have access to sound stages and to be able to make higher quality uh movies and television you actually have to have that whole access to that whole mm-hmm. pipeline um and right now since we don't really have access to that pipeline um my wife and I just said well let's pray to the lord that he mm. provides it and we'll go build it and so we've been working for a couple of years to uh, develop this property and build some sound stages similar to what they're doing with the chosen down in Texas, where they've got a piece of property and they've put multiple sound stages on it now. Uh, And that's uh, that, you know, then when the chosen isn't filming, if you wanted to make a movie about the old Testament, now you've got, or the Mm -hmm. new Testament, you've got all of the stages, you've got all of the sets, you've got all everything down there. So, um, I expect now we'll we'll enter into the golden age of Bible movies um, since now we have access in a way that we didn't go <laughs> for. And so trying to do the same sort of thing up here, but uh, build out sound stages. Okay. Uh, yeah. But so that Lord we can TV do, have access. doesn't just focus on old Testament, new Testament stories. You have what, what kinds of stories and there's even like cartoons as, as I've seen, what yeah. kinds of shows yeah, so, are you <laughs> offering? Well, this, and this is what's, this is what's a lot of fun and what gets us into trouble with some of our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ <laughs> whom we love. 
uh, who, but we, what we believe is that Christians should be working in every genre, mm-hmm. right? Every genre that's out there that's available, Christians should be out taking dominion of that genre and learning how to tell stories in that genre and and loving our neighbor by developing great action movies, great horror movies, great dramas, great comedies, uh, great cartoons, um, and both in the 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 anime style and kids cartoons as as well as adult cartoons you know like family guy or rick and morty uh, that we've got all of these genres out there but for whatever reason um christians have focused in on things for 45 year old soccer moms um and said we're gonna make another christmas rom-com uh we're gonna make another uh you know another hallmark style movie we're gonna make another drama about a a horse and a dog with cancer you know and we focused in on certain kinds of movies to the to the neglect of all the other genres and said those genres are the quote-unquote secular genres well that's not that's that's not what god told us to do right he told us to go out and and garden this whole place and i and take dominion of the whole thing and and uh that includes all the genres and so we've got um you know, we, we launched with a, uh, a horror documentary about uh, a small town that was having problems with demon possession. Um, it's a true story and it was, it's fantastically made. It's called, called dark holler. And it has been really, really popular amongst the folks that, um, that come and watch it. And they've, they've shared it a lot and it's, it's uh, really, really well done, but we've also had people say, you can't make a horror documentary. You can't make a ghost hunter style <laughs> documentary about demon possession. It's like, well, why not? It's if it's an effective way to tell the story, then you're doing you're doing the story justice. You're telling you're making the truth beautiful. Um, but we've got uh, we've got sci-fi coming up. We've got uh, cartoons. We've got a great uh, cartoon that's called Barely Biblical. That is about animated stuffed teddy bears act. Uh, acting out the most violent stories of the old Testament. <laughs> and so, you know, they take out their swords and they chop one another's heads off and stab <clears throat> one another and the fluff, <clears throat> the fluff comes out and, <laughs> and you've just got a, an, you know, the narrator reads passages of the Bible and the, and the bears act them out. And it's amazing. It's really, really well done. It's from one of the animators of, of uh, Phineas and Ferb <laughs> and inspector gadget, you know, really talented, talented show creator. And um, then we've got uh churchville, which is sort of a key and peel um, the office about um, two mega churches across the street from one another competing. Mm. It's really, really funny. <laughs> wow, um, and that. it just pokes fun <laughs> at, at mega church culture, right? At the, at uh, the, all, all of the things that we have, all, all of the, it, and it's what's effective about it is it uses humor as a way to move mm. towards people that have that have turned to that have stopped asking themselves, is this what God wants us to do? Mm-hmm. And have started and said instead, is this going to be effective to grow the mm-hmm. institution instead of is this going to make the Lord happy with us? Yeah, I've seen um, some of those and, uh, trailers from that. It's pretty funny, pretty it's, cutting. It's really funny, yeah. and and you know the creator of the the creator he loves the Lord, he loves the church. Um, and he's got this tool that God has developed in him called comedy that he wants mm-hmm. to he wants to help refine the church with it um, by helping us laugh at ourselves. Uh, hmm. 
and uh, see some of the goofy things that we do, right? So it's a fantastic show. Um, I, I'm looking over at my board of shows. We've also got uh, we, we've got a really great documentary um, called Gothics about uh, the black goth Twitch streamer that um, that got canceled for mm. questioning the um, questioning the narrative about whether or not um, people that didn't like the casting of the Little Mermaid were racist. She just said, it's possible there's another reason besides racism that somebody doesn't like this casting decision. And she lost all of her sponsors. She lost her position in all of the different black influencer groups. She got canceled, kicked off of kicked off and kicked out of everything. And a filmmaker um, made a documentary telling the story um, and in the process led her and her and her boyfriend to the Lord. And so the story is this incredible story of um, the God using for good, what even the filmmaker didn't see coming. He was just, you know, living his faith and caring about this person's story. That is a really important story in the way that um, money is used to manipulate the narrative um, and uh, the the, the cultural narrative um, and the way that, uh, pressure is put on people to conform to the narrative by threatening their income. Uh, it's, it's a super important story, but in the process, um, the this uh, the filmmaker who's a Christian, he's just living his faith out loud and ends up uh, leading the both to the Lord. And it's a so it's it's even becomes an, a more beautiful documentary than you expect uh, when you start it. So um, we yeah, we've we've got a lot of really great stuff coming we've got 40 movies and tv shows coming out i saw just uh yesterday um build a baby the uh little, yep. little video you did i shouldn't be laughing yeah. but it was it's very well, very good it's yeah and it's a, it's about uh in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. and the normal the normal practices um the, that treat babies as disposable um in in vitro fertilization and some of the mm-hmm you know, the things that sci-fi warned us about, but it's, it's a little animated short. Um, and that's a series called exposed. There's four more episodes coming, um, mm-hmm. that are talented animators that from Disney and DreamWorks that are secretly working on these projects, wow. um, in their spare time. And we have to redact mm-hmm. all their names from everything. Cause they would lose their job. If people found out that they're mm-hmm. making anti-abortion docu- uh, animated shorts on the side. Um, the first mm-hmm. one, you know, it, it had 1.2 million views yeah. in the first week. You know, it, it just, it, it yeah. blew up. It was called Exposed. This one's Build a Baby, and it's a fake commercial for, um, you know, a futuristic sci-fi um, <clears throat> IVF that turns out to just be a description from an IVF doctors about what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how it, do you get your ideas for shows, uh, movies? Well, yeah, what we've been doing is we've been traveling around and finding the Christian filmmakers that are either currently working um, in the system that want out or have been dislodged from the system by by their faith, you know, um, and find them and say, what is what what is the movie that you want to make? You know, um, we we picked up a really great horror movie um, that way called Pray for Mason that's about a youth group that goes up to a cabin for the weekend. And one of the kids um, gets into the bath salts and starts attacking the other kids. 
and it's just a teen horror movie mm-hmm. that is that has christianity embedded naturally within the story because of the way the story is right because mm-hmm. teenagers they want horror movies and if we don't give them to them then somebody else mm-hmm. is going to that's mm-hmm. that's just the reality god built them to start to to want to take risks and learn how to deal with their adrenaline and all of that in their teen years and like what so they di- start what's the difference between like a hollywood typical horror movie and like this one that you're offering yeah well it's the it's the uh the worldview behind it right mm-hmm. so what it what it t- says is good and true and beautiful what it says how it defines salvation right so you've got um the the characters are because the characters are christians they're struggling um, before the Lord, how do we deal with this monster now that mm. we're trapped in a house with, right? So that um, the uh, the uh, subtitle of the movie is "It's hard to love your enemy when he's trying to eat you." <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a different sort of way of approaching a monster movie. Mm. Um, but the mo- monster movies were created by Christians. Uh, you know, we we've got the you you've got. Like a vampire, for example, Dracula is uh, a monster where if you let lusts go without any cultural, um, without any cultural resistance, mm. what would you get? Mm. Right? You'd get a vampire. Yeah. Right. And that's the that's the idea behind it. And it, the so the original mm. movie is a, or the original book, I mean, is an argument for the goodness of societal pressure against our lusts combined with what we need to uh, what what we need in a hero is um a balanced uh you know but we need a balanced hero that uh that has has equal parts faith and practical knowledge right and so that's what you get with van helsing he's one of my pops he's one of my favorite heroes right van helsing (laughs) yeah um Right in and the because he and he's the great Christian hero of the uh, uh, of the 19th century because he's perfectly balanced. He knows the scriptures. He knows he has uh, faith in and in uh, the way God built the world, and he's got all of the practical knowledge necessary to build a trap for when the vampire is coming. Right, and so um, that's what makes him the perfect hero is that balance in the Victorian uh, the Victorian era, but the what makes the monster a monster is because his lusts have never had a community that have resisted that have helped him resist his lusts. Mm-hmm. And so that's what turns him into uh, the, a monster. And so the ideas, uh, the idea of a monster movie is, um, is something that should be, uh, uh, the Christians should be embracing and distinctly approaching and saying, how is it that we can, uh, reform and transform our imagination towards the truth using this monster movie right so uh, otherwise you get something like blade which um was a most of it is very christian except for the fact that the um they drop all of the the you know it's no longer a cross um that you use that you have to use to fight with the vampire now it just be, becomes just garlic juice mm. right and so mm-hmm. it used to be that if you had faith and you approached him with a cross then he, your faith was part of the resistance against him but it becomes just a physical uh f- pure physical resistance versus van helsing who you know ha- um his he he brings his faith with him and 
his knowledge of the scriptures to resist not just the the physical vampire but the lies that the vampire is is using to uh, control his prey as well so if so if somebody had an idea for something they wouldn't submit that to you they'd need to find like some writer or something like that that writes scripts yeah we're in a, a production team right so what we're yeah. what we're working with right now are producers that are ready to produce um, gotcha. or have already produced something right so we've got you know a great um a great teenage a, a teenage um sci-fi comedy called intergalactic influencers that's about a teenage boy who's trying to be, become the greatest youtube influencer of his junior high who runs into an alien who mm. is trying to become the greatest youtuber of his alien junior high <laughs> and um they and they team up in order to you know, uh start in order they start using each other's uh basically you know i found an alien it makes him into a great influencer and they they team up in order to become great influencers and accidentally start an intergalactic war how it's really really funny comedy but those are producers that have already produced a tv show yeah they have already produced uh lots of commercials and this this will be their or they've and they've already produced uh they produced bubba the redneck werewolf right they've already produced a um another movie that's really fantastic really hilarious so what i so what i'm hearing is and i say this with all due respect is like everything you've mentioned like i can't relate to none of that you know so there's a segment of this world or at least this country that none of those things would attract them to even want to think once about watching or listening so are you dealing (laughs) with any producers that are dealing in any non-white areas that are culturally doing things for quote unquote their people right so we have um uh we have a tv show called the pks um the uh black director producer um about a black pastor and his family um using humor to survive the the ministry you the the fishbowl of ministry as a a black pastor um we uh a lot of the stuff that we're making is, you know, is more universal um, rather than, you know, focusing in on particular groups here or there. Well, I mean, um, just, just but, from a evangelistic standpoint, like just to give you a little pushback, like it, like definitely the gospel is universal, but the presentation isn't necessarily in a uh, universal, you know, like the way, the way you approach an inner city person with the gospel to me would not be the way you produce a country person with it or a suburbanite, you know, cause the context in which they live and where they come from and meeting them where they are, that's, that's where the point of contact is either going to work or it's not going to work, you know, and that's just from my mm-hmm. own personal experience. And so when it comes to like videos and films and, and shows, like the first thing is, is it something I can relate to? Is what's gonna? I think that's for everybody, whether you're an adult or no matter what color you are, where you're from. You know, it can be a catchy title, but then if you watch a trailer or a short or whatever, and it doesn't have anybody that sounds like me, looks like me, or, or looks like where I'm from, then I feel like I'm not gonna. Like they might be able to totally relate, but if you can't get them to watch it or listen to it, then it's like, well, you're missing a whole group of people. Perhaps, but at the same time, um, the you know. Uh, you mentioned that you love westerns, for example, right? Well, I love the Wild but West. You lo- you love the Wild West, yeah. right? Um, and do you love the Wild West because it's full of people that sound like you and 
I love it and because you could dig and find some gold. Or you could have a horse <laughs> and a six-shooter and be popping the gun. You know, like, it's just the fun of right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we have a, we have a, a great Western called Black Rose Ballad um, about... Uh, uh, that that is about a you know the 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 black hat uh bad guy comes in he starts killing off all of the um best christians in town and the the white hat sheriff or uh can't figure out why and can't seem to stop him right and so he's and it ends up with the chase across the west where you got the the good guy chasing the bad guy trying to stop him um those sorts of stories are pretty universal. Yeah, but uh, just every- but just in that I haven't seen it and I don't know this, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and I could be wrong. <laughs> you know, because we live in a today more than any I'm I'm 49. So in my 49 years of living here, I haven't seen a time like today where you have race, you have gender, all these things swirling at its height politics i mean there's right. something for everybody that's swirling and so just the just the the narrative of the bad guy wears a black hat like that might not touch you or may not spark anything in your mind but in my mind growing up i'm half black and half italian i grew up in all black community and people are called black even though like black is like my hoodie and my shorts like there's not that many people that are black, just the truest form of black. But we call people that aren't white or Latino, we call them black folks, right? And so it's like, here you got black people, and then you got the enemy or bad people wearing black hats. That's sending a message to people. And it always has. No, it's, no, it's not. No, no, man. That's where you you can't. He, he, okay, okay. All right, I'm just saying. You no, not, by that response, the, you're not even open to relating to me telling you that something right. true exists. And you're saying, no, no it's, it's true. not like I grew but, up learning but, about that, watching the Long Ranger and the bad guy always had a black hat and the colored guy always was the sidekick. There was no heroes. That stuff transcends into the black culture it, and black community. But but Wu-Tang bases all of their stuff on. Yeah. And I love what, Wu-Tang. Right? The, 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 the Asian whoosh, stuff, right? Yeah, the Asian stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so so there's um because those Asian the uh Asian Kung Fu movies, though those all transcend um and become uh and have universal stories. And all of the all, all of those early westerns are all based on old samurai movies, right? So there are stories that resonate with our humanity no matter what skin color we have, yeah, right? But the, and but the narrative right now, but the narrative of the black hat being the bad guy, that's a story. And that's that's embedded in the black culture. That why the black why does black always have to signify bad and white have to signify good? Now I'm not saying it's good and right that that's the way it is, but these like all I can talk about is my time here on Earth in the area I grew up in, and that's what I grew up learning. And ha- and that and that 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 is not good. It's not godly. I'm not saying that people have done that. I'm not saying because black hats and white hats, like. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. It's like <laughs> people latch on to this stuff and it's not good, but it exists. And I think that to be careful of, like we can't be too f- careful of offending people because now we're not going to share the gospel with anybody, right? Because the gospel is right. offensive. But if we can strip away other things that's going to hinder us from sharing the gospel, why not be wise and do something like that? That's That's uh, all I'm saying. Maybe, but at the same time, 
I can only tell a story from my perspective, right? Sure, sure. But I'm just saying, so I, don't, I was asking so the I question, are you like, from your perspective is real, but telling stories to try to impact people and being a, a Christ follower um, is considering, it should be, in my opinion, is considering other people in other cultures when I'm doing these things because we live in a society today where everybody's feelings get hurt so much, which is bogus, right. but it is what it, it is. is, man. Okay, so let so let me tell you about um, one of our projects then, right? So we've got a, a, a series of animated shorts that is experimental animated shorts. And the, the first one, the pilot episode is called LaShawn. And it's about a black aborted fetus that survives his abortion at Clanned Parenthood and gets magical powers of song to fight transvestites and feminists. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. That's good. Cool. It is, I right? I see that. That's great. <laughs> I, wow. I, got, I can't even wrap my mind around that. That's a lot. Right. So um, that sort of thing isn't getting made anywhere. Oh, right. Yeah, because I, it's, it, it's, but, but, but the reality is, right? So uh, uh, Planned Parenthood was started by Klan money. Planned hmm. Parenthood does go after. Uh, brown-skinned people um margaret sanger said that her goal was to weed the human race of dark-skinned people mm. right and, and that's why she established planned parenthood in black and brown neighborhoods um and so uh so whether or not um you that's a fight that's for everybody though right mm -hmm. yeah and right that's i didn't that's, know that i didn't know that that'd be a great movie to see that would oh, be a great I, educational is, documentary for people to see to go, wow, really? That is yeah, that's sure. that's on the slate. We just have to find the right filmmaker to make the Margaret Sanger documentary about because she literally went from clan meeting to clan meeting to clan meeting to get money to start Planned Parenthood. I mean, dude, right? that's 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 the stuff I'm talking about, like stuff that's embracing everybody and educating everybody, and is removed like there's no white hatted hero and black hatted villain. You know, because those type of those, I'm just saying those things stand out to people and then it makes them want to turn away from things and it puts a bad taste in their mouth. those things stand out to people but the fact that black or dark is a symbol of evil is it's in the bible and it's in our it's like how god made the world like no matter who you are you're afraid of the dark no matter what color you are it doesn't doesn't matter mm -hmm. there's something about darkness where you're afraid of the dark and i think like that's what's embedded in us that we can't we can't tell a story without that. Well, what's been embedded in people is out. that dark people are bad, just like this darkness that's bad. And, and that's what's been embedded. That's in right. And that, and that's but, that's the thing, yeah, that we have to undo. But still, uh, night, like even in the, in the Gospels, you know, with with uh, people coming, and it was night, you know, that line in John, 
uh, representing that for all people. But, but I, the other thing is that the entire construct of, of race as we have it now is something that's, that is popularized because of Charles Darwin, right? He's the one that wrote the book on the origin of species where race, the, the, the different races are laid out as if they are real and actual differences. And whereas before that, everybody is the same species. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the, there was, you know, there were language differences that people made fun of and there were language differences that people, but, but, you know, even in um, medieval Europe, you know, in early medieval Europe, when they would run out of princesses for the royal family, um, they would find African royal families and intermarry with African royal families because they didn't care about, they didn't care about skin color. They cared about royalty versus peasanthood, mm-hmm. right? And so um, the, the, you don't have um, the, the current concept of race is actually... Um, part of the secular world and the secular mindset. And I Mm -hmm. get that we have to, we have to, um, we have to take it into account because it's a part of the belief system of most people. Um, But storytelling is one of the ways historically and traditionally that we have um, gotten around those sorts of temper, you know, things that don't um, that things that uh, keep us apart um, you know, we, when you start to see the universal storytelling, um, you get uh, people moved move towards one another, yeah, which is and, why and, I think it's yeah, and it can ahead. it can right it yeah. can it can work both ways. And all I was simply pointing out was, you know, if there's a if there's a story where there's a hero and a villain, something simple as maybe they have a red and a blue hat, or maybe the villain has a white hat and the hero has a black, you know, like just those little subtle things like that make people feel validated. Like it breaks this, this thing in their mind, which ain't right. So I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's right that people think this way, but if we want to be able to grab them and pull them over to our side and let them bend an ear to what we got to say, oftentimes it's these subtle things that, that most people who haven't experienced this overlook. And I'm just pointing out that those subtle things sometimes like make the biggest difference, you know, because just mm-hmm. cause you don't say the N word, it's like, okay, well they didn't say the N word. Like that's a big deal. Right. But the simple fact of like wearing a certain colored hat, like nobody's even thinking about that. Cause historically the bad guys were black and the good guys were white. I mean, that's just a historical thing that Hollywood perpetuated right through film. That's where I saw that stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's where people was like, why do you think that's the case? When you go back to racism, white is good. Black is bad. You know, anything that's not white is bad. And so it was like, wow, but, now that's trickled over into if, the Hollywood. And in the, in the Wild West, did all bad guys really wear black and black hats? I don't know. I venture to say they probably had a variety of different colors they wore, and that didn't signify them being good or bad. So film did that. Yeah, but but it's also, um, you. it might also have nothing to do with race, and it probably had to do with the technological possibilities of black and white film. That's right? true. That's so, true. That's possible. So, um, the, but it, it's the same sort of thing with black cinema in the seventies into the early eighties. You know, the reason that you, um, the reason that you have all of the really great um, sort of developments of color techniques, the developments of lighting techniques that you had in black cinema in the seventies and the eighties, was because the um, 
the film that the color film um, had a hard time with certain skin tones um, being able to make uh, differentiations because the film quality wasn't very good. Uh, not it wasn't a racist thing. Um, the film quality wasn't very good. Uh, but what what it caused was the the really creative directors and cinematographers in the black community to figure out how to actually use lighting in a way that it had never been needed before because you didn't have the skin tone. Um, you 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 had a film that could pick up. Uh, the shadows on a white person's face, but it had a hard time picking up the shadows on a black person's face because there wasn't, because the film hadn't been, uh, the film wasn't very good, right? So um, color was new. But what it caused was some some of the best uh, advancements of color techniques, lighting techniques, um, some, and he, so there's different ways to look at it. A lot, some Some of that has to do with just, technological advances that are slow right early black and white film you have to um you have to make those distinctions really obvious because the film's not very good yeah well so, I, I don't want to um, belabor this because we did have some other stuff <laughs> we were talking about i mean at the end of the day no, they could have both had the same color hat on you know what i mean so that didn't have to be any differences in color but it's but true that, but that they could, but they didn't think of color the way we have been taught to think of color by the left. The left has trained us to think about color in a certain way, right? We've been trained to think about skin color in a certain way by our enemies, right? The, the scriptures don't, uh, don't come at us and talk about skin color in these, these sorts of ways, right? Well, this I mean, is a, but, but Christians that founded this country perpetuated this stuff too. So it's not just the enemy is supposed that our brothers and sisters as well. So it's not, I mean, the and, enemy drives Christ, all of it. Anything sinful, the enemy o- drives. And Christians overthrew the slave trade and Christians ended slavery, right? So we don't want to focus in and say, oh, here's the, the these Christians that are the, that, that uh, made an error on when it came to race-based slavery, that those ones define us. Oh right? yeah. I'm I, not saying they define the, us. Right. The abolitionists that overthrew slavery that in spite of some of the pastors that opposed the overthrow of slavery, which were wrong for doing so, that um, they worked at it anyways, right? And I think we're going to have the same thing. You know, you, had, you had pastors in the 70s that said that went along with Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. right? That that uh, I'm sure when they when they stood before the Lord, they were ashamed of that, right? Um, and Jesus died for them like he died for all of us. But but uh, uh, we, we have to... Um, I don't think we can let the left define the narrative anymore. And that's why, I mean, that's why I got I into this and filmmaking. That's, and, that's right? why, and that's why I was saying, like, in order to do that, like, to look look at what we're doing and if there's anything, any, if there's any leftist things that exist, let's let's remove that stuff. You know, let's let's get rid of it so that it becomes truly universal. Because Agreed. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right with you on that, brother. <laughs> right with you on that. Love it. Wow, this conversation went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went somewhere. Well, I, well, I didn't, I'm, a, I'm a big movie watcher I, and TV and, and cinema and stuff like that. And it's like I've never spoken to someone like this brother that's that's like doing things. And so just it just made me think like here's some things that I've always seen that I've always wondered about, even in Christian films mm-hmm. and Christian movies. And so it seems like you're trying not to be the next pure flicks as you kind of oh yes as you kind of joke about. Um, 
you know, the stuff that you're doing being different than that's what's been put out there. You got a Netflix. That's all the stuff you talk about, you know, that you guys mm-hmm. are not trying to be. And it's like, okay, that's good. It's time to have something that's like getting out of the box. So I'm excited yeah. about mm-hmm. it. And it's like, well, if you're getting out of the box, well, here's some thoughts I have about really getting out of the box. <laughs> and as, as I have heard from you and then learned more about the shows that are upcoming, uh, I think about my, my, I have two boys. I think about my boys and like, these are the kind of shows that they would love to watch. So there's plenty of people that I can identify that, um, that this would be good for, that they would love to watch. But I appreciate you, Lewis, saying, yeah. hey, I, wait a minute, maybe there's some I mean, what you, to me, some we, room. Have, we have to ask ourselves, what world do we live in? You know? Because there's, there's, there's the white world and the rest of the world, just to, just to make it real simple and real plain. And if you yeah. live in the white world and not really in the other world, then you're not going to really understand the other world. I've had the privilege of living in both worlds my whole life. So I know I, I've experienced racism from white people and black people. So I'm not saying I'm an expert or I'm somebody, yes. but I'm saying I've had both feet in a foot in both for my entire life. And so I see things that a lot of people don't see. So when you mm-hmm. say my boys will love some of this stuff, I'm thinking ain't none of my partners going to like none of this stuff. Like they're going to be like, what? This is just, a, just some other white people making some stuff for white folks. Now that don't mean that's true. Again, that don't mm-hmm. mean it's true, but I'm yes. just saying the way it's marketed and if they see somebody like them, hear somebody like them, or something that that grabs them, they'll take a step towards it. But it can't just be all fluff to just grab you, right? It can't be a marketing scheme to pull you in and it's smoke and mirrors and now it has nothing they can relate to. Because there's a different world that exists, you know? And, and then there's a, a subculture in both that's prison, right? That's a world that's in the world. There's like a subculture that exists that's a melting pot of all. Even though racism exists, that's a whole nother world. So then trying to pull those people in is a is 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 a difference as well. So, you know, to, to think, well, but this is going to be good. It will be. But will it be good for everybody? But here's the thing. Well, two, a couple of things. One, I don't care about being good for everybody. Right. I, I'm, I care about serving an audience finding an audience, serving that audience well, because that's what God calls us to do. He, there's, uh, And I'm a capitalist, so I think that's that's what you do, is you find an audience and you serve them well, you add value to their lives, and they're happy to give you money in exchange for it. Um, at the same time, art transcends those and, and crosses those sorts of boundaries, right? So, it can. Um, it can. It, yeah, well, it, <laughs> it totally can, right? So, like, I if I... Um, you know, have you have you watched the new Wu Tang movie or Wu Tang television show it. on Can't Hulu? Can't get enough. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it's man. fantastic, right? Absolutely, it's really, it really is. great. Yeah, and uh, I I I didn't experience uh, growing up in New York. I didn't experience anything, but because they um, because RZA has taken that story and told it well, um, uh, I I now can say, oh yeah, I get it. I get their experience because their experience can be communicated through storytelling through art you know the um the the you know what it was in the you know 19 1990 the difference between um the my neighborhood before dre's chronic dropped and after dre's chronic dropped was palpable <laughs> I, I mean a mostly white white suburban neighborhood at the time mm-hmm. but everybody changes the way they dress changes the way they talk everything because the the real experience 
that Dre and Snoop and and uh, those guys communicated through their art uh, was powerful mm-hmm. to the point that people said that feels more real than my own life. So I want to I'm going to imitate it uh, because that because, you know, as a young man, we need poetry. We need we need uh, uh, reality. Right. And the, and that felt more real than our own life. And that's a, that the combination of Dre as a producer and and um, and uh, oh the the regulators mount up guy that actually invented the G funk and um, all those guys uh, Warren G this is who I'm thinking of like those those guys they were able to communicate their experience in such a way that everybody went and bought new clothes in my white suburban neighborhood growing up. So, so art does um, cross and transcend those boundaries when it's honest and it actually communicates real true experiences, you know, such that, you know, a a rural, a movie set in, you know, in, in rural Tennessee um, might communicate really well to people in inner city, Chicago and inner city, LA, um, if if they give it a chance uh the same way it works the other direction that those you know i mean i was at a i was at a wedding in rural montana and um and jay-z comes on and the place goes nuts right <laughs> they're all in cowboy boots cowboy hats right art transcends those uh those boundaries and that's the way god intended it right good art connects people um and and that's why I think it's so important that Christians get involved in movies and television film and then just tell the truth and make it beautiful. I had a question about I wanted to get into I, I want to get into humor, but I wanted to talk about poetry as well. And I had a question about poetry and like an observation that I had. But now I'm starting to rethink it. Uh, an observation that I had that like many uh, people today and Christians aren't are not don't get into poetry and they don't have favorite poets in that. But the thought occurred to me, what about rap? Yeah. Are our, our rap artists, our modern poets today. So that, yeah. Yeah. Some, some of them are, some of them, I don't think rise to the level of poets, but some of them really are, you know, um, who in your opinion a, does <laughs> in my, in, yeah. who in my opinion does. Yeah. Oh man. Well, are you allowed to speak? well of Kanye Kanye's he's a great he's a great poet he's good at rap at the long form storytelling poetry um you know especially like college dropout mm-hmm. that's some great poetry uh graduate um the but uh I don't know if you're allowed to say nice things about Kanye are you allowed to say nice I don't things like about Kanye, Kanye but yeah sure you can yeah, I'm, I'm sure. not a fan of him but <laughs> as, but as yeah, a poet you asked yeah, you talk about I poetry mean, you mentioned the greatest right? that exists right now that's alive mm-hmm. Jay-Z <laughs> Yeah, Jay Z. He's Jay Z. He's a great poet. Uh, you know, Kill Jay Z. I was I, the um, on four 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 was. He, he, that's an incredible song, and it's a confession. It's he, it's him talking about how he almost ruined his marriage with an affair, but he uh, communicates how stupid it was, um, and how you know his repentance through poetry really really well in that one. Um, but yeah, Jay Z is fantastic. Nas, I mean, he's he's a Gnostic. Nas a beast. But Nas, he's a great poet. He's but he's his worldview is uh, is um, incredibly uh, Gnostic, and so his so he's a little bit more dangerous. I mean, my 
my uh, my I I love the '90s. Some really great stuff with Wu Tang. Um, I mean, Snoop is a great poet. He just has nothing worth saying. Similar to Eminem, they're really great wordsmiths. They just don't have stuff to say. Yeah, well, Biggie, um, the way, Biggie like, was a great not, one. Rakim yeah, is a great one. I yeah, mean, Biggie, KRS, I mean, Rock, one. I mean, Rakim is, he's, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. Yeah, me too. So Rakim is up here, and then everybody else you're talking about is right here. Hmm. It's like, you know, like Jordan. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, Rakim... <laughs> He, uh, Rakim's what's amazing, you know, he, is he did it all without swearing. Yep. And mm. not because I, he doesn't swear in interviews. He, he he's, but he's like, my mom listens to it, and it's, he's like, <laughs> so, so even to this day, he's like, my mom's gonna be listening to it. I can't swear. I my mom's gonna hear it. That's a good mom right there. Yeah. The mom is still like, Shh, watch your words, Rakim. It's like the greatest. I think that's a great question, Sam. Like, where is poetry gone? Like, definitely music mm-hmm. is an expression, but. You know, what about the like poet like you like I don't even never hear about poetry. You know what I mean? Like a book of poetry, you know, and the different styles of poetry. Like it it almost seems to be a lost art. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe some arts they are lost maybe forever or for a period of time because you get different ways to express it. So like before radio and before TV, like how did you express the poeticness that you were gifted with? You put it on pen, mm-hmm. you know, pen and paper or chisel and tablet or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But <laughs> but now that you have different ways to express it, you know, and, and everybody's not a verbal mm-hmm. expressor of poetry. So you have like ghost writers, you know, people who are writing poetry for people to perform because they're not the performers. So I think that's a great mm-hmm. question, man. Like where where is the art of poetry like in, in our society seems like it's so busy. From my experience with poetry, man, it's it's deep. Good poetry has some deep things in them, man. Mm-hmm. Like Amaya Angelou, you 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 read some of her mm-hmm. stuff, and it's just like, wow, man, the depth, mm-hmm. you know, of one or two lines can just have you pondering maybe, yeah. you know, 10, 15 yeah. minutes. But everything is so fast-paced, right? I just want to get through it. And I don't think mm-hmm. people really even appreciate the art of poetry yeah. anymore. Well, our uh, guest Jason here has written several poetry books. So okay, so people still are still are writing it today. And and one of the books that you wrote is called uh, "Nobody Doubts a Belly Laugh." Is that the correct title? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a poem in there. I don't know what the title of that of that specific poem is, um, but it's the one where and like this is one of these lines that the past couple of weeks, just because I knew you're going to be on the show has been going through my head, like, like crazy, just meditating on it. And, um, uh, the line is faith, uh, is lived and passed by laughter. I think I got that right. Uh, just, yeah. Faith is lived and passed by laughter. And, uh, that's, that's powerful. Faith is lived and passed by laughter. Like, what, what do you mean by that? Um, well, help us that, unpack that, that poem. That poem was inspired by um, the by the um, my dinner table, you know, with raising four kids um, and being married to a comedian. Um, so when I met my wife, she was trying to become a stand up comic and I interrupted her life and got her pregnant four times. And <laughs> um, and but but she didn't uh, stop being funny being uh, you know incredibly witty and she is even when our kids were like two three four years old 
when they try to tell a joke, if they didn't get the timing right, she would make them retell it until they got the timing wow. right. Because she was like, no child of mine is going to have bad comedic timing. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, but I saw the way that she instilled faith into our, our kids by by the way she told jokes, made them laugh, made our dinner table a fun, joyful, um, you know, in, impossibly enjoyable uh, thing to, I mean, to this day, now I've got, you know, 20 year old down to 13 year old. When we sit down for dinner, you eventually have to tell them it's time to be done because they will sit at the dinner table um, <laughs> as long as you let them because my wife has made a, made it into the place where it's the deepest connection, the funnest place to be the funniest, you know, the, the funniest stories uh, the or the funniest times you of jokes and storytelling and the whole thing um, was the way that she built and developed our dinner table and I can um, I can read the whole poem here if yeah because it's not super long I just have to find it really quick um, so uh uh, laughter gathered in the rafters, turning father hearts to child, reigning bonds of training drawn as faith is lived and passed by laughter. Leprechauns of doubt are baffled, hassled, out of shadow hiding. Dafty gaffs and chortled snorts fill full of family soul and mind. Laughter is a medicine ball of faith and hope and love and life. No one doubts a belly laugh or laughs together into strife. I have made a covenant with my stomach and the stomachs of a thousand generations. Resurrection is the punchline. Mm. Um, and so the, the idea is that my wife built our table uh, and the, the culture of our table such that um, it reflects the way God made, built history, right? Um, Psalm two, like you, re you referenced at the very beginning, mm -hmm. um, it says God sits in the heavens and laughs, mm -hmm. but where, when does he sit in the heavens and laughs? Well, it's when the nations of the earth gather themselves together and crucify his son. Right. And then he sits in the heavens and laughs because the resurrection is a punchline mm -hmm. to the joke and the nations of the earth are the straight man and they don't realize it that they're setting up the father's mm. the father's joke and Jesus is mm. the 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 great deliverer of the punchline in the resurrection yeah, and then all of timing. history turns out yeah great, great timing, perfect 3 days timing, later right <laughs> he lets it sit just long enough that when the resurrection comes it's the perfect punchline and then it turns out that all of history ends with the same punchline right all of history ends with the resurrection of all things of the just and the unjust for the judgment at the end of time and that 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 the uh that the end of time is a callback to the greatest punchline ever um so which a callback in comedy is when you use the same punchline again for a new joke and it doubles or you know triples the laughter because people realize oh that was a funny punchline oh but it was a punchline again so you're calling back the previous punchline and so like dave Chappelle is really really great at the callback punchline um that so it's a punchline that has layers well it turns out mm. that history ends with a layered callback punchline as well to to jesus's resurrection his his he is the his resurrection is the first fruits of the resurrection of all things so everything lives into that punchline and my wife had built a table 
uh, built the experience of our dinner table um, in, in a way that was shaped the same way that the cross and resurrection were shaped so that my kids wouldn't, wouldn't leave um, the table. So the idea was that um, you don't, laughter is not something that is rationally experienced. Laughter is something that you experience because it's involuntary, right? You don't say, now I will laugh, right? You just laugh because the joke was funny. Um, and watching my kids pick up the faith uh, of their parents that way, um, I realized that this is this is one of the things that as a church, uh, as a modern church, as the church in America, we really need to work on is just learning to enjoy the way God built the world. I mean, the, the, the creator of the giraffe, there's no way he doesn't have a sense of humor. I mean, those things, when they run, it's just, it's like the funniest thing. Um, and then, and then like they fight for territory by swinging their heads, each other. And the giraffe is hilarious. And you know, the, the, um, the most dangerous animal that you're going to run into in Africa is the hippo. That thing, and that, I mean, that if that's not a, that's a walking joke, and then it also turns out to be the most dangerous animal, right? So you would expect it to be like the rhinoceros mm. or the elephant, you know, with <clears throat> that has spears on its face, but no, it's the hippo. Um, it, it's the one that looks the most like Chris Farley. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it turns out to be the the most dangerous animal. And I think laughter is that kind of thing, right? It's much more influential, dangerous. It's it's one of our great weapons, and it's one of the important mm. ways that we pass down right and wrong, right? Because laughter depends upon a fundamental morality, a fundamental understanding of right and wrong. And so when you pass on so that to uh, you pass on to your kids what's right and wrong. Um, in in every joke, in every laugh, in every, uh, and you teach them, you know, what is beautiful and what is good and what's enjoyable in the way that you tell jokes and laugh and and enjoy one another. So, um, you you don't when when you laugh, you never doubt was that funny or not, right? Because you just experienced the truth of it, um, mm. and uh, we should be developing the ability to pass the faith on in that sort of way. And it reveals our our worldview too, in the sense that I think of Psalm two and God laughing, like while the human nations are all raging and taking themselves so seriously, God knows the, the, the real, the real story, the real, he has a, the true worldview. And so he's, he's able to take all of our raging a lot less seriously and, and laugh at it. And there's a, like G.K. Chesterton picked up on this, uh, yes. too. And there's a quote that I'll read from him that stood out. I, th I think I'm pretty sure this is in his orthodox, his book, Orthodoxy. Uh, but he said, uh, A characteristic of the great saints is their power of levity. Angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. Pride is the downward drag of all things into an easy solemnity, one, quote, settles down into a sort of selfish seriousness, but one has to rise rise to a gay self-forgetfulness, for solemnity flows out of men naturally, but laughter is a leap. It is easy to be heavy. It is hard to be light. Satan fell by the force of gravity. Yeah, that it, it, it's a completely different view of the world, right? Because we tend to think 
that in order that, that we need to be important and serious and um you know took look at the look at the world and um you know i mean when so i declared myself an atheist in the sixth grade um because i wanted to be taken seriously and it seemed like the most serious of all ways to uh, approach the world and and it is in the wrong sort of way right it it's because you're taking yourself seriously um you you're looking at yourself and saying i'm so important mm. that um you know my limited perspective needs to be counted as the ultimate perspective mm -hmm. right that's how serious i take myself rather than the book of ecclesiastes mm -hmm. which um which says hey you you are not particularly important it, most of what you do is forgotten your your great grandkids won't even remember your name mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you should therefore go out and have a picnic with your wife and enjoy yeah. your stupid little life because yeah. it's <laughs> it's not that important well and in <laughs> right? Eccle ecclesiastes i was wondering about this too when i read that quote uh the power of uh, Chesterton said the power of uh, levity. Yeah, the power of levity. When I read Ecclesiastes, there's there's a, a power that God gives you to enjoy those simple things in life. Because Ecclesiastes actually says for you to for you to enjoy your spouse, enjoy food, enjoy drink, and enjoy work, those things, God has to give you the power to do that. Otherwise, you you don't have that power. <laughs> right. Because because the uh um the the rest of the world it's like they have um i heard one pastor talking about ecclesiastes said it's like the rest of the world has they have all the they have all the same cans of peaches as god's people and they're stacking them up and they're ordering them and they're putting them in an alphabetical order and order by date and all sort of things and but god gives his people a can opener <laughs> so we got the same group of we got the same thing they just can't enjoy it right they, mm -hmm. because you have to be able because you have to humble yourself before mm -hmm. the lord Amen. to be able to accept and mm -hmm. accept the world as a gift to be able mm -hmm. to enjoy it and it turns out that gratitude is the can opener that gets us to the enjoyment of the world um and it's a world that is full of good things to enjoy um but it, it does take that gift of faith to be able to actually mm -hmm. enjoy it because um when we try and act like what's going to make this all work is that i'm so important mm -hmm. um we end up losing both the enjoyment as well as you know ending up dead and not taking any of it with us just like anyone else uh, um which is which is really uh a bummer <laughs> yeah. wow man this is like you said, Sam, I had no idea. <clears throat> this brother here, man, he is multifaceted. And and just like the other brothers we had, man, smart. Like, I keep meeting so many smart people, man. It's like my IQ is just like multiplying by being around these brothers, man. So, man, it's a it's a, it's a blessing to get a chance to hear. Is it pronounced lore or lure? Lore, like lore, L like L O R E, is just, yeah, like folklore. Yeah. Okay, I just want to get yeah. it right. So, like folklore. <clears throat> yeah, so people for our people listening, like check out lore.tv, right? And then how can they yep. help support? <clears throat> well, I mean, the biggest thing is go subscribe and check it out. So, because mm -hmm. how it works is everybody that subscribes gets to vote on what gets a distribution agreement. So, if you go on there and you look through 
you know, the, the projects that we've got up there currently, then you can say, that's the one that I want my subscription money to go to. Mm. And they get, so the, that's the, and that's our, that's really what it comes down to is our secret sauce. Cause we've been told over and over, you know, you need a million dollars if you're going to compete with Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But the reality is Hollywood, um, you uh, 80% of what they make fails and loses money. And 20% of what they make makes up for the, the 80%. Mm. But that's because they're really bad at, at guessing what people want. Mm. So we've developed a gamification system that lets people to tell us in advance what it is that they want so that we're not making things until we know it's got an audience. Um, and so in the same sort of way that Uber upset the taxi industry, we're trying to dislodge uh, and upset the uh, movie and film industry by building out a technology that changes the game. Cool, man. That's dope. That's dope. So yeah, check out Lord TV. L S L O O R dot TV. Check them out, subscribe. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. They can go on there and actually vote on things, you know, and like, I love that, you know, if you're passionate about something, you want to see something change, then do something. And in this, in this context, you can vote, to maybe see lower willing of other people, the majority side with you, you can see a project um, underway mm -hmm. because of that. So man, thank you so much for being with us today, my brother. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I do want to say that um, I hope that I ain't saying anything that offended you because that's definitely not my brother. My, I got my goal. I got rhino skin, man. Okay. All right. I, I love the rhino too. It's so hard too, to offend me. I love the rhino too. That's one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite animals. So. This is how, this is how men talk. Yeah, yeah, you right. This is how men find you right. how men find the truth together. You right, but I think so. that sometimes, like, I can come off strong, and you know, I may not know it, and I think it's also good for men to see other men like humbling themselves and saying, "Hey, you know what, man? If I said something wrong, man, I apologize." You know, oh, because absolutely. What? Well, same, same here. If if I uh, went went too far and said something, no, no, it's all I apologize. Good. It's, well, all, it's all good, brother. So man, <laughs> would you any? So as we wind down, is there any like last thing you want to mention? Any last words? I hate saying last words because it's almost like you know somebody's <laughs> getting ready to die. Like you got any last words? Right. And what do you want for your last, last meal? So like anything you want to leave our listeners with that that you might not have said or we might not have asked. Um, you know, I I think that. The biggest thing right now is as I travel the country and talk to people, people look around at the way the world is and the way our culture is, and they get hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the 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 thing that has kept us going at Lore in the midst of watching the culture fall apart is believing in a God that raises the dead. Mm, right. And so um, we we have fought through um, everyone's uh, just to get this company started. We fought through everyone saying it's not the right time. You need more money that there there are giants in the land. There's no way you mm. can take them um, by saying, yeah, but we raise it. We, we we serve a God that raises the dead. Amen. And so what's the worst that happens, right? Is, is right. we lose yep. and die and then God raises us, right? That's mm -hmm. or he gives, so, you, he gives you a sling and some stones. Exactly. And you can slay yeah. them giants. So. <laughs> right. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, I so the biggest thing I I'm like to leave with people is don't give up hope uh, when you serve a God that raises the dead. Mm -hmm. Man, that's dope right yeah, there. Yeah, resurrection is still the punchline. Hmm. <laughs> Always exactly. will be. Punchline. Always will be. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Any, any last thoughts? I forgot to point out that uh, Jason is on a podcast called Knox Unplugged with uh, Chocolate Knox and... That's a great podcast for people to be aware of and listen to. 
Um, they go deep <laughs> into some topics. Uh, they usually start like mid sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no introduction and then he just cuts it off at the end. But, um, there's some great conversations there that I'd like to point people, uh, to, um, to Knox, uh, unplugged. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great podcast. And, uh, I appreciate you, uh, Jason and, uh, your depth and insight. There are so many other like topics I wanted to, uh, talk with you about, um, that I've heard you mention in other podcasts and that, but we've, you know, we're done for today and maybe there'll be other times, but that's all I have. Yeah. You have to just have to have me on another time. There we yeah, go. We'll, there we'll we dig go. into something different. Like yeah. the song of Solomon. I know there's something about uh, your interpretation, your view of the song of Solomon that I was, I was reading it this week. I uh, just okay. happened to, and uh, I thought, Oh, Jason's coming on that. That's something else that would be great. So mm. maybe future, future. Yeah, subjects. Definitely. Yeah. And if you're in the Chicago area, man, shoot us an email or something like that. And if you, you know, if you're going to be in town, man, we'd love to, you know, go out to lunch or something like that. And also, like, if you need a place to stay, like, hit me up, man. A lot of times we got room, you know, we put you up, you know, and help you with transportation and stuff. So I'm um, always like to look out for brothers, you know, that's in town. So. All right. I'll take you up on that. To do that. I'm not the guy that says it and don't mean it. And no, people, when no, people hey. tell me that, I say, look, I'm going to give you one no. chance. Take it back. Cause I will call and I will take that. So, so yeah, I mean it. So man, it's been a blessing being with you today. And, uh, for all you guys listening, man, uh, we hope that there, um, is something that grabs you today, man. Something that, that gives you the thought of, man, there's something stirring in the film industry in movies and things like that, that is finally going to be kind of out of the box. Mm -hmm. Cause I think the pure flicks of the world, they need to exist. Right. There, there are people that love pure flicks. They want to watch those types of movies. But there's also other people that think differently, that that desire more. And that's what lower TV. Um, their aim is to provide that more, that different, that that edgy, if you will, that that sexiness, if you will, that that's on the line, but doesn't cross the line. I'll go out <laughs> and say um, that's going to be provocative enough to grab people that may not check out a pure flicks. So um, don't don't bad mouth anything before you check it out. And if it is something that's not your taste, you can leave that to yourself. Ain't no sense trying to cancel nobody because you don't like a particular thing. Like I'm more of a butter pecan guy. I don't like chocolate ice cream. It's not bad unless it's Rocky Road. So, I mean, we got different flavors we like, and I'm not going to talk bad about people that just like chocolate ice cream. So we hope you had a good time today. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, have a good rest of the day and go, don't go stepping in no. Yes. Peace. <laughs>